All right. So welcome to part two of the Medics Money Christmas special podcast. I hope that you had a great Christmas and lots of people will be listening to this podcast on their way to work over Christmas in the NHS. We just wanted to say thank you so much for the work you do. It's incredibly tough out there working in the NHS at the moment, especially so at the festive season. So if you're on the way to work today, thank you so much for what you do. The vast majority of the public still appreciate what we do. And we definitely appreciate what you do because we're out there doing it with you and probably doing it right now as this podcast is being listened to. So thank you so much. The other thing to say is this podcast has grown massively this year and we couldn't do it without you. So we have just gone over 450,000 downloads, which I try not to think about when I'm recording because it makes me a bit nervous. But the reason is you found it useful. You've told your friends the profession has some profound financial challenges that we can help in some small way with that. It's just so rewarding for us. So thank you so much. But what I thought we'd do today with my co-host, Dr. Cantello, is go through the top 10 episodes of the year and give a little summary of why we think they're the best ones. Yeah, let's go for it. Sounds good. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So, mate, good to see you again. Happy Christmas. Hope you had a good one. Thanks, mate. It was great. You've got your Christmas. So if you're watching on Zoom, you'll see we've got our Christmas lights up and we've got our Christmas jumper. Yours has got a niche geeky reference to, well, why don't you show it? And then, uh, yeah, it's like a Street Fighter 2 jumper. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, honor of my childhood when I was growing up. Yeah, on the SNES. On the SNES, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're a younger listener, there used to be these things called consoles, which actually had those like plastic things that you... Well, you had to blow in the cartridge first, obviously. Yeah. You know, and then put it in. Yeah, it's great. Oh, hoover out the cartridge slot when someone stuffed like a biscuit in there or something and then put the cartridge in. Then you could play Street Fighter 2, which was a great game. I've gone for the Charity Shop special jumper as well. But we're going to go through the top 10 episodes of the year. It's been a massive year for the Medics Money podcast. And again, we really mean it. We could not do this without you. We rely on listeners like you finding it useful, sharing it with your friends. And as a result, we continue to grow massively. And that's really important because we love helping you with your financial issues. We don't get enough of this teaching in general at medical school about understanding your finances. And it's just so rewarding. It's too rewarding, right? Because we both love being doctors. We just talked about that on our previous podcast. I actually really love in Medics Money way too much. Yeah, Medics Money. We enjoy both, basically. I like being a GP. Really enjoy helping people with Medics Money as well, though. Both yeah. Very rewarding. Awesome. Okay. Over 450,000 downloads of the podcast now. And we're going to go through the top 10 episodes. And we're going to tell you what the top 10 is. But also, more importantly, give you like a high-level summary of what you can learn from them and discuss them in a bit more detail in an informal Christmas style. I'm drinking pure water. Unfortunately, I've overdosed on coffee. What are you on? I'm on Diet Coke. Oh, more I've, caffeine. I've already had many coffees going. Okay, good. Whatever you're doing when listening to this, I hope that you had a great Christmas. Episode 101 in number 10 position was what can you do about real terms 22% pay cut? I'm delighted to see this episode up there because this is a massive issue and it's going to be a massive issue in the months going forward. 
junior doctors have had at least a real terms pay cut of 22% over the last 10 years. And this episode featured Emma Runswick, who's the deputy chair of the BMA Council, and Vivek Trevedi, who at the time was associated with Doctors Vote and is still associated with Doctors Vote, but now is the co-chair of the BMA Junior Doctors Committee and is coming on the podcast really soon. So again, because this is a massive year, as I'm sure you're hopefully aware, junior doctors are balloting on strike action very soon. You need, if you're a junior doctor, you need to get on top of this and realize how much pay you've lost and think about what happens if that continues to decline. And, you know, what if in another 10 years, what if it's a 44% real terms pay cut? Mate, we're both old enough to have been on strike before. And yeah. striking was one of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make because I was really worried about the patients. On that occasion, consultant colleagues and everyone else covered and it was absolutely fine. Yeah. What was your experiences of the 2016 junior doctor strike? When, of course, Mr. Hunt, who is now the chancellor, yeah. was the health secretary. And the ghost of Christmas Sparks has come back. But so basically, I was in F1 in Guildford when the strike happened. The first two strikes, I was doing emergency care. So I was able to strike because that was exempt. But the last time around, I was on my surgical placement and I did join the strike. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was interesting because quite a lot of patients would uh, go past and like hammer donuts and coffees and give us support. And as Tommy said, all the consultants at Guildford just were brilliant. They just really you know, helped support the patients whilst we were on strike. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, everywhere is struggling financially at the moment, not just in the NHS. But my concern is that if these real terms pay cuts and undervaluing of doctors in general continues, then the NHS is in a lot of trouble. And I don't really want to say this, but I'm going to, you know, being a doctor has been a profession for years, as has being a nurse, and was a thing before the NHS and will continue to be a thing after the NHS, if that happens. I really hope it doesn't. But the main concern that I have is for patients. And we talked about this on the last podcast. I want to be a doctor because I want to use the skills that I have to do the very best for my patients. And increasingly, the resource and other limitations within the system are making that difficult. And we have to speak up about this. And I think if an organization can't recruit, that is a bad sign. If Medics Money put out a job advert and couldn't recruit because no one wanted to work with us, that is a bad sign. Effectively, that is what's happening in NHFs every day. Staff are voting with their feet and I completely understand why because we're out there on the front line. Check out that episode. If you are a junior doctor, I think you need to make sure and you're a BMA member, you need to make sure that your contact details are up to date so that you can vote in the upcoming vote on industrial action. Wow, what a cheery start to the year. So what pensions? <laughs> yeah, number nine, episode 91, how to avoid NHS pensions tax charges. This list is going to be dominated by pensions, unfortunately, but it is a massive issue. I think, cool, how to summarize, the NHS pension is still a really good deal for the vast majority of people. It is a part of our overall remuneration package, and me and Ed are both in the NHS pension. It is very complicated, but don't lose sight of the wider picture here, that it is still an incredibly valuable benefit. It is part of your delayed remuneration. They pay you in retirement. An index-linked, inflation-proof income for life in retirement is incredibly valuable. My wife has a private pension vested in the stock market. Probably, I haven't checked and I don't check, but it's probably lost 20% of its value in the last six months because of stock market turbulence. NHS pension is a guaranteed index-linked income for life. Yes, it has some big problems for high earners. The pensions tax situation is absolutely crazy, insane, that it's incentivizing people to retire 
and do less work when we most need those really experienced clinicians. So yeah, episode 91, good summary of the problems, I think. Okay, then in number eight, I'm a bit sensitive about this episode being up there so high because I had a big birthday this year, the big 4-0. I am having a midlife crisis about, well, it's not midlife. I, I could be midlife. I love making my crisis even worse. <laughs> this was a surprisingly popular episode. Do you want to tell us a bit about what we discussed? How bad is your midlife crisis, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this episode was all about what to do before the big 4-0 in honor of Tommy turning 40. Of course, sadly, I'd already turned 14 that time. They turned 42 just recently. But this podcast is dedicated to those people that are coming up to their 40th and what to do before then. And the key part of that, one of the key elements, because there's anything on there that you have to do before you turn 40, is to set up a lifetime ISA. So if you haven't done that and you're about to turn 40, you know, that advice still stands, okay? It's not advice. So it's not financial advice. Whichever provider you pick, however you set it up. We definitely recommend you set up a lifetime ISA. You can set it up between the ages of 18 and 39. But of course, uh, say, by the time you hit 40, you can't, uh, you can't do anything about it. But what happens is every tax year, you can invest up to £4,000 into a lifetime ISA. And if you do that, then the government will top it up by a 25% bonus. So up to £1,000 every year. And you can do that all the way up to the age of 50. And then after 50, you can't take it out. Well, you can't take it out at all. But after 50, you can't make any more money in. And then at 60, finally, you can take it out. Unless you decide to become terminally ill, then you can't take it out before the age of 60. But it's definitely worthwhile. It's one of those few things that you might see in the financial press and the papers, et cetera, where people just see it as a no-brainer to get free money of the government to help for your retirement. So that's the first thing to say. Secondly, in that episode, we talked quite a lot about wills and how important it is to get a will if you haven't already. Because if you don't have a will, then... The rules of what are called intestacy apply, and that may or may not be where you want your money to go once you die. Okay. I think as we mentioned in that podcast, if it comes down to it right at the very end, if you follow all the rules, technically the king could get all your possessions, including dogs or cats. Think about getting a will sorted. We also talked in there about income protection, and that's also really important. If you get ill and you can't work, how would you pay your bills? It's really important to look at that and to organize income protection insurance should you need it. But we'd recommend you definitely look into that if you're having that big birthday. I thought you yeah, definitely. And I think income protection, life insurance, is one of those things where we see doctors consistently get it wrong and they think that the NHS pension will cover them. Well, yes, the NHS pension does have generous death in service benefits, which are broadly two times your pensionable income. Okay. So if two times your pensionable income is enough to pay off your mortgage, look after the rest of your family forever in your absence, etc. I want your NHS income because I just don't think it is enough. It's a nice bonus, but it does not, in my view, replace the need for life insurance and income protection. Again, if you get sick and can't work, who's going to pay the bills? You might be thinking NHS sick pay. Yes, but if you have a listen to the article, if you're a new doctor or a nurse, you don't get the full entitlement. And again, the sick pay benefits in the NHS are great, but in my view, you probably should have a think about it. And then... The thing is, buying insurance is a minefield with everyone telling you that they're the best person to sell you the insurance. And we are subject to that as doctors pretty much from medical school onwards. I'm sure everyone fondly remembers that. The reason we sell medics money is there's only really a few things you need to know to get the best deal on these insurances. One, you must use an independent advisor. Independent financial advisors cover the whole market. And that means that they can shop around and get the best deal for you and not the one 
that pays them the most commission. First thing. Second thing, you need a financial advisor who specializes in doctors. They need to understand your sick pay and your benefits so that they can tailor that in accordingly. And we have many podcasts about that. Recently did one as well. I forget the episode number, but I think it's called Do Doctors Need Income Protection Insurance? And so that's why we sell medics money. You just type in your details, find a financial advisor. Our algorithm will match you to the best one for you. A free consultation to find out what is the best for you. Over 10,000 doctors have done that now. Mad. Amazing. Amazing. One of the reasons we sell medics money is because you need to get the best advice. All of our advisors have been through our due diligence process, which is very rigorous, maybe too rigorous. Some of them all got reviews from doctors like you as well. What else did we, oh, I always forget about talking about emergency fund and you nearly fell asleep during my emergency fund podcast, but emergency fund is something really important. I was maybe just stared at my cat if I remember right, even like I said. Actually, where are they? Like they haven't interrupted this podcast yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, scared. I'm scared they're going to appear at any minute and just launch themselves on I the mean, table. I think I nearly sat on one earlier, which is probably why it's really sorry yeah, about that. Okay, so I've lost count. Number seven in our list, episode 12. Thanks. That's why we're doing the counting here. It was a beginner's guide to the NHS pension, an oldie episode here from 2020, November the 3rd. 2020, but a goodie. So if you just want a really simple explanation of how the NHS pension works in general, then I think that's why this episode is up there. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. The thing about the NHS pension is it's so complicated and actually just getting to know the basics is so important. So definitely worth a listen just to get the absolute basics before all the other complicated ones come into play. Yeah, definitely. Then in sixth position in the top podcast of 2020 was episode five, 10 financial tips for junior doctors. Episode five, we were still recording back in my garage. Yeah, the cold garage. Cold garage, freezing cold. None of these fancy microphones that you can see on YouTube right now. And no Christmas lights, no Christmas jump. We probably were wearing jumpers because it's freezing. Oh yeah, definitely. I was not my coat though. So September the 15th, 2020, but it's still consistently popular. Now, when we recorded this episode, we had no listeners. And so we were pretty carefree. And then we actually recorded a follow-up, like an updated one of it recently. I think it's episode 89. Anyway, I felt the fear because on the second attempt at recording this, well, we tried to improve it and I was worried that we couldn't. And then I made a mess of it. So we actually had to put that entire episode in the bin and re-record it. And that was because I started thinking about over 30,000 doctors listening. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Get the stage fright. But uh, we did update it. We did record it again. So although that episode five is in our top 10, there is a much more recent podcast episode. As Tommy said, number 89. So if you guys are interested in checking that out, then definitely yeah, go to episode 89, not episode five. And in that, we talk about some really important, you know, fairly basic, but really important tips about what you can do to help your finances as a doctor. And that includes making sure that you claim a tax rebate, one of those really valuable expenses that you've incurred as a doctor. So your professional fees, your GMC fee, your BOA fee, if you remember, and so on. Make sure you check your tax codes. A lot of people at the moment would have not that long ago moved trusts in August, and I'm sure will be still probably suffering the consequences of an incorrect tax code. So check your pay slips, make sure your tax codes are correct, and our website will go through how to change them if they're wrong. Okay. What other tips in there where Make sure you keep all the documents you can, okay? You already thank us down the line if you do this. Make sure you keep any P45s, any P60s. Definitely get and keep your total reward statements for your pension. Really important documents, okay? You'll say you'll thank us when you do come to need them. And then 
We also mentioned about getting the financial education, and that's exactly what Mix Money was set up to do. Okay, we're all in this together, trying to help each other understand our finances, try and minimize expenses, minimize those horrible tax bills. Things are only getting worse at the moment. So with Jeremy Hunt's recent autumn statement, these are all key tips for everyone to try and to help their finances. I think that's why they're popular, really, because although we said it's for junior doctors, really that applies to everyone. Yeah, at all stages of their career. Really, you don't want to overcomplicate these things. To improve your finances, all you need to do is maximize your income. Okay. And that doesn't mean work harder. That means make sure you claim all the allowances and reliefs that Ed talks about and optimize your tax position so that you pay the right amount of tax and not too much. So maximize your income. Unfortunately, minimize your expenditure. If you can minimize how much you spend, then that gives you free cash. And with that free cash, you could choose to invest that money and investing done right and done in a nice way, like we talk about all the time, is a way to earn money while you sleep or while you're at work. And that is growing your wealth for the future. So maximize your income, minimize expenditure, use that cash flow to think about investing, protect your most valuable asset. Already talked about that. That's yourself. Think about income protection, life insurance, critical illness. And that's it. Maximize income, minimize expenditure. Protect your assets, invest for the future. Done. That is it. That's it. Just a bit more complicated than that. But yeah, I like that episode. So do other people. Yeah. So where are we? Position five was McLeod NHS Pensions Masterclass on the 25th of January, 2022. I like this episode in some ways because it shows what Medics Money is about. On Medics Money, we have the best specialist medical accountants, the best independent financial advisors for doctors in the business. And indeed, on this episode, we had the chairwoman of ASMA, ASMA, I'm sure you've listened to our podcast about that, Debbie Wood, and her colleague, David Walker, both experts at the top of their game and available on Medics Money, telling us about McLeod. And in the episode, we said that the there's a lot of things that are still to be arranged and sorted out with McLeod. And it would all clear in October 2022. But then the government said, we got a bit on. So they've actually delayed it now another year until October 2023. If you delay something by a year, you've either precisely calculated that you need 365 days in order to achieve the task that you have been set, or you've got absolutely no idea where to start. It's really hurt in your head because it's really complicated. And you're just like, should we just delay it by a year? Yeah. They probably just keep the can down the road, haven't they? Of course they Actually, are. Standard practice. Yeah. Reminds me, uh, those of you who've been asking, where is the Medics Money book? It's been delayed by a year. Yeah, we can get that can down the road. Because we've calculated it's exactly 365 days more. Just give me 365 days and I'll have the book sorted, mate. And also stop well, the government from changing the tax policy every five minutes as well. And that would also help. Yeah, we're slightly realizing that writing it and keeping it up to date is basically a never-ending task. It's... Uh, yeah, the book's been delayed by uh, exactly 365 days, not because we're kicking their can down the road, but that's what we've calculated is needed. Absolutely. But yeah, if you want to know more about McLeod, then definitely check out that podcast. Almost all of it is still relevant, except the bit about it being all sorted in October 2022. It's just another thing where the pension is still a great deal. We love the NHS pension, but it has just got so complicated now. It's so complicated that in fact, the government have flipped it in for can down the road, allegedly. So in position number four, get, have a guess what kind of episode. Is it going to cover tax? Is it going to cover investing? Is it going to cover like holistic financial planning? 
Position four, what is the episode? I know the answer to this, but even if I didn't, I would definitely guess it was to do with pensions. <laughs> it's another pension episode. Episode 104, Understanding Your NHS Pensions with the NHS Pensions' very own Bernie Portsman. Released on 19th of July, 2022, middle of summer. Oh, feels a long time ago when I'm sat over my Christmas jumper. Yeah. In the cold. In the cold. So, yeah, another pensions episode. I think this is a valuable episode because Bernie just gives a great little summary of how it works, what they do at NHS pension. More importantly, the vital bits of paperwork that you need to get to make sure that your NHS pension is in good health. Okay, your NHS pension is an incredibly valuable asset, but it needs annual maintenance. And so Bernie goes through that really well. But more interestingly, they talk about some training. One of the great things about Medics Money is we have all of the best experts in the business in one place that are helping you. But also behind the scenes, there is a lot that is going on because we realize how lucky we are to have those experts. So we work really closely with NHS pensions and we meet with them very regularly to talk about pensions in detail, which is fascinating. I think you'll agree, mate. I love those meetings. Luckily, I don't go to as many as you. Yeah, that was my sarcastic. But they are very productive because they lead to improvements. And one of the improvements they led to was NHS pensions improving their education events that they offer. So if you check out this episode, in the show notes is a link to live training free delivered by the NHS pension team that covers everything from how their pension works to what how to understand your total award statement to thinking about what you need to do before retirement. And thank you so much to the members of the Medics Money community. That means you who's listening, who emailed us. So we sent out an email asking for suggestions. And those suggestions were so vital to developing that training of NHS pensions. And then a small number of the community actually went on the demo sessions, which led to the sessions being refined. So check out that link. And yeah, I think it's really useful. Yeah. It's good that NHS pensions are working with experts to try to improve things. I've been one of the, the master classes. I thought it was really, really good. And they're really responsive as well. They'll answer questions as you go along. It was great. Worth it. Yeah, you might have been on the demo one. But yeah, yeah. some of the others are recorded. Check them out. Okay, position number three. Do you want to guess what this episode is about? I'm hoping it's my national insurance podcast, which I enjoyed very much. But I'm going to guess it's actually pensions. I'm glad to mention national insurance because I give that episode a lot of stick. It is not the most exciting, but the one that we get the most emails about saying, thank you so much. Why has no one ever told me this before is national insurance. Do you want to give a summary of what doctors need to know about national insurance? Because I, oh, I don't want to talk about episode three. <laughs> episode three yeah, is obviously about pensions. Oh, sorry, not episode three, the third place. Third place, yeah. Um, but yeah, national insurance is, I'm sure lots of you guys will be aware, it's the, essentially the social security system for us all taxpayers in the UK. And the problem with national insurance right now is that it has had three quite big changes since the tax year started on the 6th of April, which is a bit of a pain. And actually, in fairness, what we're going to do in 2023 is we're going to actually update that national insurance podcast because so much has changed since then. Yeah. The reason that we get so many emails about it is essentially if you have more than one job in a tax year, there is a risk that you could overpay national insurance. Yeah. A lot of doctors and nurses and dentists have more than one job in the tax year yeah. and therefore they can overpay national insurance. No one's probably told them about it before. It's yeah. reasonably easy to reclaim. Yeah. That's the thing with it. If you're an employed doctor, then you should only pay, you should only 12% on your employment income between 
12,217, 50,217. And then above that, it's 2%. But the problem is, if you have more than one job and each of those jobs applies to national insurance separately, you could be paying national insurance at 12% rather than 2%, which is obviously a big difference. So definitely worth making a claim. I say, I think we'll update that podcast soon. I love it, mate. Even though I put you on the spot, went completely off script, you're wearing a Christmas jumper and we've been recording a lot of content today. You still gave a really nice explanation. So back to the script in... The number three most popular episode of the year was about pensions, specifically the inflation problem with your NHS pension. This is really geeky, really high level, but really important because there was and probably still is a massive problem how inflation interacts with the growth in your NHS pension. It's called CPI disconnect. And clearly, our audience is interested in it because it's the third most popular episode of the year. The other reason why I'm pleased to see this episode up there is because it was recorded by a specialist medical accountant called Andy Powell. And Andy doesn't go for popular topics like Bitcoin investing. He goes ridiculously niche. And normally, it doesn't get that many listens. He's talked about some very complex, very niche topics in the past. But here he is doing a really complex, really niche topic and it's number three in the charts cheers andy for doing that and he's not interested in the charts so he claims not to be interested in the charts so he does actually message me occasionally saying like how am i doing so andy you're in position number three with a very complex but very valuable episode so definitely check that out in number two position we need like a drum roll or something is episode 54 should you become a gp partner now, I'm pretty surprised to see this up there, to be honest with you, because doctors are having a really tough time at the moment, especially GP partners. But I am a GP partner. I passionately believe in GP partnership. I still enjoy being a GP partner. Not only am I a clinician, I own a small business, which I get to run. And if I see something that could be done better or improved, it's a small, agile organization that I can improve. But, and this is a big but, I think. As listeners to this podcast, you'll agree all doctors could benefit from financial education. Nowhere more so than GP partners, because as I said, not only are GP partners doctors, also small business owners. And unfortunately, I don't know how much business training you got. We just don't get any. No, none at all. Absolutely not. Which is insane because a large part, your business is to run a practice, make that successful, and that will trickle down to make your patients receive the best care that you can give them. And so completely neglect. And when I became a GP partner, hanging around with people like Ed and all the experts at Medics Money, I obviously got access to the very best in the business. I got up to speed really fast and it felt like I was on cheat mode because I could just ask questions and they would help me. And so I felt like as I became a partner, I became reasonably useful in the business side of things fairly soon. And so we thought, how can we recreate that experience for other partners, whether they be GP partners, nurse partners, pharmacist partners, practice manager partners. And that was how the Medics Money New to GP Partnership course was born. Remember when we started it, we thought we might get like 20 people and maybe no one would come. But we thought we wanted to recreate that experience of getting everyone together with the best experts in the business and just to help partners make better decisions. Turns out more than 20 people came. Yeah, yeah a lot more. It's good. I think we've done over 310 partners now on the course yeah, uh, we're on our fifth cohort yeah am i allowed to put an effort in yeah go for it. all right so the next cohort starts on february the 28th 
and you go to medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash GP course for all the details. Yeah. It fills up fast. I think we have like 18 people on it or something from the waiting list. Okay. That's not going to help the FOMO. So yeah, if you want to come on February 28th, medicsmoney forward slash GP course, it's online. You can watch the replays anytime. And we also held a live face-to-face event in London, which was our first live event ever. I was blown away by that. Yeah, it was really good fun and yeah, really important. If you're not a GP partner and you're thinking, where is my course? Stay tuned and not stay tuned like the book, stay tuned. Like stay tuned as in we are actively writing and recording courses now, okay. releasing in one year's time. <laughs> yeah, one year's time. And until that point, there'll be another year's off. Which is going to come first, McLeod Remedy Clarification or a course for non-GPs? I reckon our course will come first. 100% mate. Yeah. Like it is so close, but it's... Yeah. And we just want to do the very best we can. And so we're just getting it absolutely perfect. So stay tuned to your email if you want to come on that. All right. Number one, it's probably what everyone's been waiting for. It's that gap between Christmas and New Year. Not quite sure what to do unless you're in the NHS, in which case you're unfortunately working and dealing with a completely overwhelmed system. And once again, thank you so much for everything that you do. And the fact that some of you find this useful just makes me and Ed feel amazing. I've had some pretty strange podcast experiences recently, which have really made me feel, I guess, proud of what we do here because I phoned up the NE consultant to get some advice about a patient trying to work out if they needed admission or not. I said who I was, and then they immediately said, are you from the medical podcast? I was like, oh, yes. And they proceeded to tell me how they'd use our podcast to help them sort out their pension and the rest of their finances. And I just felt amazing that I could help an A&E consultant running a busy A&E department. We helped them and it just felt amazing. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for sharing it with your friends, but I won't keep you in suspense any longer. I'm a bit sad that this is the number one episode, but I think it's a great episode because the number one episode of the year is episode 62, early retirement strategies for doctors. And it wasn't even close, like it's the number one episode by quite a few hundred downloads, which is particularly sad. But I think it reflects the difficult situation that we're in at the moment. People are looking for the exit. So in this episode, we basically went through, if you want to retire early, what do you need to do? And what are your thoughts on this, mate? So I think we talked about quite a few things in there. It's quite a long, a long old podcast for a variety. And I think it's been number, our number one for forever and a day. But essentially, we talked about a few things. First of all, working out how much you think you might need to retire on, making sure that you then invest where you can. So I think there was a lot of talk about investing in, just say, I'm again, like this one won't be any sort of financial advice that we want to invest in stocks and shares. Yeah. What you need to do to grow your income to try and reach the amount that you're going to need to retire on. There was a lot of talk about pensions, of course. Definitely. Which is something that we always mention quite a few times already today, but uh, that is obviously a key thing yeah. when it comes to retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key thing is, you know, if you are thinking about retirement, don't leave it until you're 60, right? Because then your early retirement plans are probably fairly limited. Start now. If you're 30 and listening to this, Start now, okay? I'm 40, soon to be 41. Ed, you are 42. Thanks, so. so You look good, mate. You're looking really good for it. And that jumper is just, I think it looks really good. Matches your eyes, it's beautiful. But yeah, before I say what I was about to say, I want to make it really clear again. The NHS pension is still a great deal for the vast majority of us. And before I top up my lifetime ISA that Ed mentioned or invest in the stock market via my stocks and shares ISA, 
I do everything I can to get money into the NHS pensions. Okay. And we spend a lot of these podcasts talking about the issues with NHS pension and there are many, but despite this, it's still a great deal for the majority of us. Okay. But there is a problem and I think more doctors are realizing this now. So there's three sections of the pension, as I'm sure that you recall. So you got the 1995 scheme and, oh, if I could get into the 95 scheme, mate, I would love to. Yeah. Yeah. But that's gone. Okay. Yeah. So in the 95 scheme, the retirement age is fixed at 60 years old. Okay. I'm ignoring special class and MHO status for you real pension geeks out there, but 95 scheme fixed at 60. 2008 scheme fixed at 65. Okay. 2015 scheme, which the vast majority of us, all of us are in now, thanks to McLeod, your pension is linked to the state retirement age, okay, which for me is 68. That means I've got 28 more years left. Time for you to be smug about you having 26 years left. I don't know if I should be smug because obviously I'm older, but yeah, I've got a few years less than yourself. So that is key, okay? And if the government raises state retirement age, which they are currently consulting on, I believe, then that NHS pension age could increase, okay? So I'm all in on the NHS pension, but as you'll see, if you listen to this episode, I think you need to think about a backup plan. And for me, my backup plan is to, as I said, get as much benefit out of the NHS pension as possible, but also use a stocks and shares ISA invested in a low cost, diversified investment portfolio to bridge that gap between my desired retirement age, which I'm probably going to be like early and my actual retirement age. Okay. So that's one strategy, but we also talk about other strategies that you could use. So there's something called an ERBO, an early retirement reduction buyout. That's an option. And uh, talked a bit about added years and things like that as well, which may or may not be an option for you. And so I think this episode's really valuable because the earlier you can tackle this, the better. And yeah, I mean, it's a bit sad that it's number one, but I think it's the greatest. And yeah. That's it. I mean, and also, even though it's indicative of tough times in the NHS, even if it wasn't tough times, we're all going to retire one day. So definitely worth thinking about that now rather than later. It comes around a lot. If you're like 25 listening to this, it comes around a lot faster than you would think as a 41, 40 and 42 year old speaking to you there. So check it out. There's lots of ways that the NHS pension can be really flexible and a great option for you. And we get tons of questions after this, like, why not leave the NHS pension completely? and get a private pension, such as a SIP, not financial advice, but all the numbers I've seen from all the experts, there is no comparison to the NHS pension. It is just better. It is an index linked, guaranteed, inflation-proof income for life, okay? And to buy that on the open market, you're essentially looking at an index linked annuity, which are ridiculously expensive. Why not start a SIP, like a private pension, as well as the NHS pension? Could be a good option. Discuss that in more detail in the episode. But for me, specifically, annual allowance tax, what we were going to get away without mentioning it. That is a problem. Yeah. I got a question as well about episode 80 the other day where Nick Nesbitt mentioned that you can use a private pension to pay your annual allowance tax charge in some circumstances. So uh, hopefully that answers that personal question. Check out episode 80. And the other thing is why not use just a stocks and shares ISA? We love stocks and shares ISAs, but there's many reasons to not do that. Tax relief is one. Unfortunately, the income in an ISA grows free of tax and can be paid out free of tax. When you make a pension contribution, it is incredibly tax efficient. Unfortunately, when you contribute to your ISA, there is no pension relief on the way in, just on the way out. Is that right? Yep, absolutely. Okay, hope that helps. And at the end of the day, all of this pension stuff, really complicated. 
keep it simple. Just look, get a total award statement annually, make sure it's up to date. Think about getting a membership statement and check out our YouTube for a really good summary of what to do if you've got an annual allowance problem. I've forgotten what the episode's called. I can't remember right You mean you haven't been yeah. on a YouTube channel recently? No. We've just gone over a thousand subscribers, which nice. reminds me, I love growing a new thing. Like we're sat here going, we've got 450,000 downloads this podcast. At the start, like it was just me and Ed in a garage and about five listeners, like my mum, your mum and dad and your sister, maybe. They don't even know what podcast is, I don't think. Still, five people. YouTube is growing slowly. We're diverting more attention to it. And I hope that you find our YouTube channel helpful. I think that could be it, mate. Yeah, I think so. That was obviously a run, run down of the top 10 currently, but let's see what the next year brings. If you guys have any ideas about any sort of podcasts you'd like us to cover, any topics you want us to cover, then you know, please do let us know. Always happy to get suggestions. Yeah, I'm happy to do questions as well. We haven't done a question episode for a while. Yeah. Do one. yeah, it'll be good. And that's for sure. Yeah, maybe. Just give me a high level summary in five minutes. All right. Thank you so much, everyone listening. Like I said, if you find this useful, just forward it to one of your friends. All of us are in this together. We're all facing the same financial challenges at the moment. And if this can help in some small way, then just forward it on to one of your colleagues and we continue to grow. And finally, like I said, thank you so much for the work you do. It's incredibly valuable work. We really appreciate it. Majority of the public really appreciate it. And we hope to see you in the next year. Take care. Thanks, guys.